All right, this is the uh, Coach Haas podcast sponsored by Sports Rehab PA. It's been about a six-week hiatus here. Uh, we had a lot of things going on. Michael had himself – well, he didn't. His wife had a baby girl. Uh, we'll let Mike talk about that. Congratulations, Michael. That's good yeah, stuff. Appreciate it. Yeah, man. How's that going? It's going. It's going. It's a, it's a process in the beginning, you know? I mean, it's, it's not – it's everything I definitely expected. I mean, I definitely mentally prepared probably because I have kids that, I mean, I have friends that have kids already. So, you know, you hear about it and you kind of, you know, you see it, uh, so, you know, and the biggest thing in the beginning is just, uh, you know, they eat every two hours. So it's just very demanding, you know, and, uh, you know, especially this one. And she, she's been alert since like the first hour she's born, like looking around, I don't know what she sees, but she wants you to like take her everywhere and hold her and do stuff. So uh, that makes a little challenging. So, well, you know, we'll leave her down and let her kind of – sometimes she's got to cry and soothe herself. But sometimes she just starts, like, raging. And it's like, you know, you got to take her. So It's magical. A, it's magical. Yeah, that's the biggest challenge, though. So um, it'll be interesting when she starts moving and crawling and stuff to see how much of a rug rat she'll be just going all over. Because she's, she's going to figure it out because she just doesn't stop moving. So, yeah. That's fantastic. Good for you, ma'am. I'm happy for you guys. Thank hey, you. listen, before you uh, – before all this happened, you were in the woods. I think this is how the story goes. You guys can tell me if it's different, but you guys were in the woods and you found one another working out. Or not the woods, I'm sorry, the park. Make it sound a little bit better. You were at the park and, and you ran into one another? Is that how this – I mean, we'll get into it a little bit more. But Yeah, I think, you know, we were just running the same trail in Tyler Park, and uh, I heard him coming up, you know, so I just like – turn it around to back to, to clear. There's actually a split right where I was. So I'm like, all right, I'll just step out of the way. And then when I turned around, we've been following each other on Instagram. I re I recognized him right away just from gotcha. Instagram. So gotcha. we, just, we just talked for maybe, you know, whatever, five minutes or seven minutes or something. And then okay. he just sped off and I like kind of slogged behind him. <laughs> <laughs> so listen, we have, we have another great guest on tonight. Again, Mike doing his, uh, his due diligence here grabbing some great guests for us. Uh, tonight, we're going to speak with Bob Kaler. Kaler, am I saying that correctly? Right, man. Good All job. right. All right. Haas and Frost is hard to say, so I won't let you say that one. Haas is a lot easier for you. So, um, but, so what we'll do is I'm going to have you give us some of your background. Tell us about, you know, tell us about your story. Get, get back into your early teens and, 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 and bring us up to, you know, where we're at right now. Yeah, I mean, so, like, I, I've kind of fell into human performance when I was nine. My, my, I grew up in the 70s, and my dad was an avid runner. Uh, and this is, like, when Gatorade first came out. He used to come back at his runs, and he drank the green Gatorade, you know, like. And I was, like, I was like nine. I'm like, hey, I, I want to try some of that Gatorade. My dad's like, you can only have some if you come running with me. So I said, all right. So I started doing these three-mile runs with him, and then we do track runs, and and uh, and not long after, I was kind of like hooked on just the challenge of pushing myself at that age, at nine years old, like doing these longer runs. And then I started, you know, I just kept going. I just did longer runs, tried to do, you know, cross country team and, you know, just doing some other sports. So it kind of 
I kind of figured out what I really liked back then, you know, like I used to do long bike rides on my own, like 10, 15, 20 mile bike rides back when, you know, nobody was really doing that stuff. Right. You know? This is, you're talking like age nine, 10 years old, you're doing Yeah. This. Like, yeah, the bike riding started probably not too, I bought a Peugeot back then, a Peugeot 10 speed. I had a paper out, had a lot of, I had good money. So I was just buying what I'm like, Hey, I want a good bike. So I went out, bought a bike and I would just do these long rides and, you know, kind of a challenge yourself, you know? And, uh, Where, where'd you grow up? I grew up on Long Island, Huntington. Okay. Like around the water, Huntington Harbor. So it was a beautiful place to grow up. I mean, wow. beautiful uh, open space. Like in the in the Comstead State Park was part of like Lloyd Harbor, where Billy Joel used to live. It was it, it was nice. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. I didn't live in that neighborhood, but I was not too far from it. And uh, and then I got into boating, and you know I had Coast Guard license when I was twelve. So I was like water skiing, and I would just do everything outside I could do. Awesome. Wow. And then so I got into rowing in high school, a rowing club. Back then, there was no rowing in Long Island. There was no rowing. Any, we were the only club in Long, in Long Island at the time. Uh, I started rowing. Uh, my junior year, they showed up. They just moved from Oyster Bay to Huntington, and they were doing PA announcements. And I'm like, you know, I was a water guy, you know, always on the water. I was like, hey, this sounds pretty cool. And I like endurance. You know, I didn't know anything about rowing, so I didn't know it was like endurance sport. But so I fell into rowing, and I was like, I was instantly hooked. Um, so that kind of drove my college decision. I, I decided college based on schools that are rowing. And, uh, you know, so it kind of, it kind of evolved that way. And then, you know, I just decided to, uh, like, I saw the magazines from, you know, you joined rowing, U.S. rowing, and then you get the magazines. And then I started seeing like national team pictures on the front cover. And I'm like, it looked pretty cool. I'm like, I wonder if I could do that, you know? So, you know, so then I started doing the pre-elite national team in college. I tried to make the, the under-23 teams back then. And, um, you know, I didn't make it, but uh, I, I it kind of opened my eyes to what, what I could do. So I decided to just push on after college. And I started training. I was just working construction. I was a chem major in college, but I just, you know, I, had, I didn't really care about that. I just wanted to train. Wanted and, row. And row. Right. Like I did, the, I did the college thing, but I was more interested in the rowing. And so then I just moved on to, uh, uh, I tried to make the Olympic team in 88. So I graduated in 86. And then I spent two years just working construction, training my ass off. Um, I won't go into the whole story about, it. I got blackballed by, blackballed by the national team coach, but um, I didn't make it in 88. And then I was like out of money. I'm not going to go into the whole story, but I ended up getting, I was doing construction uh, after the Olympics were over, I was down in Cape May. I had lifeguarded in Cape May for a couple summers in college. So I went back. My girlfriend cheated on me while I was away. I didn't make the Olympic team. I was like, how would I? I'm just going back to the beach for one last summer. And then I then I, uh, diso- I fell off a roof 30 feet. Scaffolding broke. I, I broke my arm and dislocated my shoulder. And, and I wanted to just do the beach racing that summer. So that was like June. And then one of the guys in the squad was a physical therapist. So he rehabbed me back, and I ended up winning everything that summer, South Jersey's, USLA. Like, so it kind of piqued my interest. I'm like, you know, I did this chemistry, and I didn't really, you know, I didn't really want to be a chemist. And uh, so that's how I, I decided, you know what, I'm going to go to PT school. So I just right. made He's like, holy shit, this guy healed me. And, like, you just don't, you don't think, like, these injuries, like, that you can never come back from. And all of a sudden, you know, you're recovering, and it's like – kind of becomes a little bit addictive you know You're like, wow, yeah yeah it kind of really piqued my interest because you know literally in f- four weeks i was back rowing you know i i didn't follow the orthopedic sort i busted my cast off when i was rowing i'm like how 
<laughs> like, yeah, I made a bank cast. I cracked it the first day. I'm like, there's no way. I'm, I was going to. Right, I got I got a row. I, I was rowing. I'm like, I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not keeping cast on. Um, but anyway, so that kind of, it kind of like, it all fell into place, you know, where I could, you know, take all the stuff I'd learned in college and actually put it to use. And uh, and, and then, you know, the PT was pretty. It kind of piqued my interest. So, uh, so then I went and, you know, I, I did a two-year uh, masters at Columbia. I was training through. Like literally, I would just train on any time I had free time in the in the gym because it was at 168th Street, you know, in Harlem. It's Spanish Harlem, so there wasn't much wrong going on. Um, but but then you know, then I graduated in May of '91, and then a month later, I was going to Europe for my first World Championships national team. So I wow. just got, became a PT, and then boom, I was already over like at, at world class level. I mean, I I've done some senior uh, under 23 teams in '87 and '89, but kind of just fell into place so you know so that really started this process where I was a PT and I trained I was on the national team for 10 years I did three Olympic games won four world championships I trained on every system you could imagine I had a Russian coach for three years British coach for three three years and then American coaches so I trained all different systems and you know we were out in the Olympic training centers and like so I kind of had like a mass exposure to a high level training and then b the wake of injuries that I was witnessing Sure. Trying to figure out why there were so many injuries and we're doing all this strength training and all these other things. And it's not really working because there's just tons of injuries, you know? Right. And so right. it kind of evolved into what I do today that I started asking those questions a long time ago, you know? So I took some course, great cook course. I took the FMS course in 1997. Like, wow. Buddy, before anybody was doing yeah, it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Shirley Sarman courses. I did all that stuff. But I was like, you know, I was, I was just saying that they're missing something here. Mm-hmm. These are people that haven't really, like, I train my body. And, like, if I told you stuff, it's insane. Like, the stuff people do today is not even, it's, it was mind-boggling what we did. Like, Dude, give us a little uh, insight into some of, the, some of the stuff you've done. You well, know? So, like, the Russian coaches, like, Steve, you know Stephen Fleck is? He used to be, he was the man in strength conditioning in the United States back in the 90s. He was the USOC strength conditioning coach. He wrote for the general strength conditioning. Um, he was the head strength training coach out at Colorado Springs. And we did two, we did two altitude training camps out there because the Russian, Igor Grenko was a Russian coach. He loved altitude training. So I, we had never done that before. So we started doing it. And then, like, while we were out there, we did one in the wintertime. So we had to actually do all the stuff on the rowing machines and then do the weight training. We weren't actually on the water, but we were rowing the whole time. And, and Stephen Fleck watched us do one of our workouts. And he's like, it's, I, this is insane. It's mind boggling what you're doing. The volume and the intensity is, we were doing like 1500 rep sets with like, at weights like 70% of your body weight or more. Wow. Wow. Three hours until you like, you know, and that was three days a week. So we were spending a massive amount of moral energy and just like, and, and so, like, at the end of a year, I didn't get any faster on the rowing machine. Like, really, not any faster. You weren't really able to recover. I don't even know. You know, like, I just, in my mind, I'm like, why are we doing all this? It's like, right. you know, I'm not, like, I'm smashing myself to pieces. Plus, we were still rowing 25 hours a week on top of the weights. We were doing, like, tons of rowing. It wasn't wow. just the, the weights were just, like, a secondary thing. So, you know, so I just was like, that kind of like piqued my curiosity about all the things I do today. It just like, it drove me to like ask better questions and start taking all these other courses and try to figure out like, you know, you know, why, you know, why this is all not working the way it really should be. And so, 
Um, you know, so and also Jay Kearney, he was the USOC physiologist. I used to sit in his office every time, every free moment when we were training. I'd go, you know, I just picked their brain. I just wanted to know as much as I could know. That's it. It's all about curiosity. Yeah. yeah. And so, so it's some insight onto you know what it is that you do. I know you had this. You had I see you on Instagram using this device. You have you have a brand and there's something there. So. You know, that's why we obviously wanted to bring you on here. So yeah. 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 I mean, so it comes like, cause you're a PT and you do the sports rehab. So I mean, I just take my, you know, my background as a PT. Um, I also was, I, I had a practice in, in Princeton and Lawrenceville and Yardley that was affiliated with the hospital special surgeon in New York. Okay. And we were on site with spine surgeons and physio- non-surgical spine guys every day for 10 years. So like, I just like, you just got, everything you can imagine you can see. Yeah. So like, that's when I started evolving. This. That was in, from 2000, that was from 97 to 2008. Like I just started to create this, what I call column core training system um, to, to kind of answer the questions that I would hear from customers, you know, I call them customers, their patients, you know, they would come in and say, well, you know, I saw that my orthopedist and they told me never to run again. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> like, what are you talking about? I said, yeah. I said, we'll be back in six weeks and you'll run the rest of your life. I mean, that's just like nonsensical. So, um, you know, so just, again, piqued my interest into what I do today. So I ended up leaving that practice at that time because I felt like I wanted to do what I do now. I didn't want to just do straight clinical work with just, you know, regular PT clients. I wanted to work with athletes. So I built this consulting business where, you know, it was rowing based, you know, where I've worked with thousands of rowers over the last, you know, since 2008, so the last 12 years. Wow. And and the machine just came out of that this column core training system that I developed. It was a hand. It's a hands-on process, um, and I was just trying to find a way to make what I do. Like I have like twelve key exercises in this column core training system, where I where I teach athletes this new map, this new internal map on how to move. Like it's a fundamental change in the way they move, um, and just out of my efficiency mindset, like I, I have this mind that just has to make things efficient, effective, and not waste time. Right. That was from day one. It always was like that. I just figured out, I just tried to figure out how to build something, a machine that could do all the singular exercises that I still use when I'm teaching somebody the base skills, but the machine kind of just takes me out of the equation. So, you know, I have over 20 division one schools that use my system uh, that train on it and, and we basically get rid of their injuries. So they now, can, did you create that thing? Did you have someone yeah. fabricate that? Yeah. How did well, you first I, come I, up? How'd you first, yeah, how'd you first come along creating that? Like, what started design of like what it looks like, and you know, like how you did it? Yeah, no, so a good, a good question. So uh, at the time when I was doing, like, I, I work on, so I do these evaluations, and there's 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 certain muscle systems that are weak, pretty much, and everybody I've ever tested, like yeah. the NFL guys, a thousand Division One athletes, it's it's always there, you know. And so I was, so I have some key exercises that use the, you know, the forty inch resistive bands, like the cross mm-hmm. bands. It's a 41 inch mm-hmm. band. Okay, yeah. And so, like, I was using physio balls and I would use the bands to do, like, basically what I call hip flexion pulls or runner pulls, um, where you kind of just draw on your knee and your chest, lift your legs right straight, and you're pulling your knee and your chest. Like, you're really doing a hip flexion, knee flexion, ankle flexion movement um, with bands. And then I'd have a physio ball and do bridging on a ball. I was just trying to work on these, this common core training exercises. And I just, decided one day I'm like there's got to be a way to like consolidate all this so I took I have a pull-up bar in my garage I just took a couple of the bands and I started to like pull myself down to the ground you know like a squat 
Yep. And, and just, so I was activating all the opposing muscles, not just your quads and glutes and low back and lats. Yeah. Working your hip flexors, your hamstrings, your dorsiflexors. Uh, and then I was just trying to figure out a way to like, then my feet are coming off the ground and like it's, so I'm just trying to figure out how do I, you know, uh, fix this so I can move it. So that's really how the process started. And then I just came up with the, uh, you know, the fixed tube system where the other piece moves and, and you have your feet can hook in or, and, you know, you have your hands on there. So um, it kind of just evolved through that, you know, and I didn't know what was going to happen when I built the first prototypes. After I broke the first few, I broke. Then I figured out how to do it, um, so it didn't break. Um, I was it was mind-boggling how powerful it was. I just because I'd already been a PT for for twenty something years already, twenty-two years. So it wasn't like I, I hadn't seen everything. I was like, this is crazy. So, and for me personally, my my shoulder problem, my you know I dislocated when I was uh, twenty-four in nineteen eighty-eight. It came out about twenty. 25 times over the years hard falls body surfing diving for a frisbee and ultimate frisbee or just dislocate um it's on its own yeah well it hit the ground hard so like daily life i wouldn't pop out so you know the surgeons were like don't do surgery but but uh but it was getting to the point where like i was body surfing the one day with my kids you know they're swimming in the ocean with me. i'm like this isn't good like if i dislocate like i might be able to help my rescue my kids right so one arms. Yeah, so so I went to the surgeon. He's like, he's like, don't do it. But so, anyway, I started training on my machine, the the Taylor Core, and it's been nine years. My show, I've had really hard falls trail running. You know, wipeouts when you're in the park and nothing doesn't even flinch. So it's it's kind of mind boggling because I don't have a labrum in in the front or below because I dislocated both directions. So I got no I got no no actual passive stability there really outside the muscle and that's about it. You know, so. Anyway, it's 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 a it's a tool that can kind of enhance whatever you're doing, not just you know, it's not a, the only thing you would do, but you know, it's so definitely it a step by step. Is it like are you, are you going from the top of the body down through, and it, and it, it, you can use it for all different types of things? Yeah, I mean, literally, you could do you could do stuff on. So the, the base level on movements are on your back, like motor development, right? You start yeah. on your back. You could do knees to elbow. You could do diagonal patterns. You could then you could actually reverse the the, the the bands and you can do all pressing movements. So so when you're on your back, you're essentially you're disallowing your back to help move with your extremities. So so most people are unaware completely that they actually do these micro movements with the back when they run or do anything really. So, so they're not aware that, that that's what I call survival movement. Back moves with extremities generate force. It works until it doesn't. Till the back breaks down, till the leg breaks down, till they both break down, right? And so people train really hard until they get hurt. Right. And so if if you you know start to teach the athlete how to actually connect all those what I call the twenty vertebrae from the Adam's apple to the tailbone as one piece, truly as one piece, everything changes for the athlete. So you're you're creating this new control map that they're not even aware exists. They're not even aware that that's a possibility. They only know this, and they, you could do a lot with that, right? Everybody right. does. You see it everywhere in sports until they get hurt, and then they're like, "Oh, well, it's the activity did it." Yeah. And and, and the most times, this really has nothing to do with the activity. It's user error, how the how they're actually working the body. And so the the, the machine actually kind of kind of expedites the process that I do. Does it auto correct you? Is it like an auto corrector? Well, so what's well, a good question? So when you're if you do level one exercise when you're on the ground with your feet hooked in and your hands are on the handle, so you're actually creating a feedback loop. So the column system is delivering a fixed 
rigid column of force. It's not an ambiguous up and down force of movement. Like with free weights, things move around. Here you actually have a, a column directed force. So if you actually have the tube running while you're doing the exercise, it's putting force right through your spine in both directions. Gotcha. There's, there's no other way to really do that. You know, like even with free weights, you're, you're, you don't even know you're moving. So, so with the college teams, we start them on the ground only for the first four to six weeks. I just, they probably hate it because it's really hard. Denise elbow core exercise is extremely diff challenging. But people think it's, it's – I mean, you look at the video, it doesn't show you anything. You get on the machine, it's going to crush you. It's cr yep. going to yep. crush you. Simple but hard, yeah. Very, very difficult. I mean, you can – of course, you can change the intensity level, but – right. But most people can't even do the base level moments at the beginning, you know, because they, they've, they've been used. So like if you just look at a, like a, like a curl up when you sit up, right. And you, they sit up and they're back on folds a little bit to sit up. But if you could actually, so like I do sit ups, I could do a fold straight up without my back moving at all. Not a millimeter. Easy. Oh, coming from the, the lower yeah, abdominal. Yeah, just your back's not moving at all. You're just doing your hair flat. Everything else is engaging. So that takes some skill. It's not – I'm not saying other people don't do it. You have people that can do all this gymnastics, sports stuff there. I've never tested them, so I don't know for sure. But I'm pretty sure they, they're more dialed in than your, your NFL guy who's got incredible ability to move their body from the outside. But they're actually still making the mistake as good as they are. And then they get hurt, and they're like, you know, hamstring pulls and all that that's just that's just what i call chain movement mistakes it's, it has nothing to do with what they're doing you know that seems to be a lot of um what we're starting to notice especially as we start to look at human performance more um and we start to look at what's going on with a lot of these athletes you know the athletes are getting bigger they're faster and look at the way they're training because um, we brought on a guy who created that, um, that inertia weight system, and he was comparing that to battle ropes. And with the same concept as he created this inertia wave to basically stimulate this internal response in the body to teach people how to stabilize almost from within instead of out. And he used the battle ropes as an example where they create this external tension, you know, the, the shrugged neck, the tension in the wrist, you know, they're just trying to survive, the breathing's off. Whereas the inertia wave is whatever um, energy you put into it, you know, it gives you back and feedback. Um, and I even noticed in some of the stuff that, you know, we do, you know, I do in the clinic, you're trying to teach people to tap into that inner system, but it seems like the tool you have helps provide a feedback so they understand how to do that. I mean, so, yeah, so yeah, right. It's an experiential process. So, like when I do the hands-on, and I still use it today because it's a powerful tool. So somebody that really is hurt, they really have a lot of back injuries. They're really just lousy. They, they don't even, they're not even aware of what that is, how to move that. They can move right. the joints here, but they don't really understand how to, how to do that, you know, in a way that's like they're actually consciously aware of it. So in the hands-on system, so for instance, if somebody does a bridge, there's two, there's only two ways to bridge. You're either doing a moving back bridge or you're doing a column core bridge. That's it. There's no in between. And so the, when the, so I have the, the, the user do a bridge and I have them pay attention. I just say to them, pay attention to where you feel muscle pressure, muscle activity, pain, whatever it is, and where you feel it. So it'll be low back, glutes, hamstrings, quads, wherever. Right. And so I have them feel it for like, you know, 10, 15 seconds. And I'm like, all right, now we're going to go back and I'm going to start to teach you how to, to teach you, you to use your back like a column, not a moving back system. So. So then we go back and I do some hands-on stuff, some, some, some specific cueing I've been doing for a long time. 
and within like 10 minutes I can get them activate exactly what they need to do so so once they start to do that I just built them a new map because now they know what they're looking for so it's no different than motor development right babies go through steps they don't nobody's teaching them they make a bunch of mistakes and then they finally figure it out and then they move on to the next milestone here we're just trying to eliminate the mistakes because yeah. they've been making the mistake really all along. Yeah. They just weren't aware that there was another way to do it. So, so that, that's the, the hands-on. Now, the, the machine is, a, is, is the next level. It's just a much higher level because now we're actually taking force through the spine. So, so when you're doing a bridge, you're only looking at horizontal force through the spine. You're not really looking at yeah. through yeah. the spine, vertically loading and, and vertically pressing right. either, either right. way. Right. So, so, but I could still get them to do it. But, you know, if you wanted to go to the next level with athletes and things, you know, you're going to want to, you know, take them to the next step. Yeah. That makes sense. So it's really like step one is like my private clients that come to me, I take them through a three hour process and that that's, they're good. They're done. Like chronic back pain is gone yeah. because wow. they, they, once they learn how to do this and then if they want to go into the machine, cool. But, you know, so I have a couple clients, there's testimonials on my website the one woman, uh, I saw her last year, about 18 months ago. She was a D1 soccer player, had two microdiscectomies in her 20s. So that was evidence she didn't know how to move her. Like she was just hammering her back to pieces, yeah. right? Yeah. As, yeah. as good of an athlete as she was, she just wasn't aware that there was another way to move. So I took her to the hands-on. Literally, I, I had a 15-minute session at the end of an evaluation, and I did another 45-minute session. She emailed me from her vacation. She's like, this is un like mind boggling. Like when she first saw me, she goes, I don't even know why I'm here. When I was evaluating, I'm like, what are you talking about? I was like, what are you talking about? She goes, the PT's never worked before. I don't know why I'm here. I said, well, I'm going to show you something you've never learned before. So just, just let's just, just, you got to be open-minded about it, you know? And yeah. so anyway, so she's like 18 months out. She's zero pain. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. and, and, and so, and so just as a kicker, just to, so I was teaching her, so she bought one of my machines because she was moving to Colorado from Philly. Like she was going to do a PhD program, had a three-year-old daughter. She just wanted to get on the cardio machine for 20 minutes without having excruciating back pain or waking yeah. up every day with back pain for 20 years. I was teaching her how to use a machine in her house and we were just talking and I didn't put together her last name until she said, you know, my dad was a neurosurgeon. He, it was his, her dad was Fred Simeon. He was like the back surgeon in Philly for 30 years. Like wow. the number one guy. Wow. wow. Who, owns, who owns that giant museum down at the Navy Yard? Like that cool. Oh, wow. Okay. Damn. So, so anyway, she's just like, I was like, all right. And she goes, well, my dad really wants to meet you because he can't believe Because he was telling her she was going to need a fusion. Yeah. Yeah. So she went to a spine surgeon to get to me because she was like, no, I'm not going to get the surgery. Right. You know, so anyway, so, so anyway, she, so she just does the Concord stuff. Like at this point, she only does it a couple of days a week, but she's able to go do all her, her life again without zero pain. That's awesome. You know, I so mean, anyway, it's just, it's a connector, you know, it works for a specific clientele, right? I mean, right. I mean, you can do it for any athlete, but really it's like people well, that. That was my question. Like, I mean, I, I see a lot of ACLs coming in, right? But <clears throat> before that, even before I even talk about that, like, just as a, a, a normal person coming in the door, if they scream through the FMS, right, and it doesn't look good somewhere along, maybe in the rotary stability or something like that, yeah. would that tool come into play then? What, you mean FMS or you seen on my tool? With your tool. So you would be screened, right, and then say you scored poorly in that, yeah. in that rotary stability. 
would that be something where that your tool would come into play there or could it be used for other things as well? Well, so it's, it's really in the end, this is, it's your, your, when you use moving back system as your default, that's a, you're born with that, right? George, mm-hmm. Michael's witnessing that right now. Like that's just like nature's teaching you to survive. It's not about longevity or, or, or quality of movement. It's not about surviving your back and making it live to your age. It's really not about that. So like people get caught up in all this movement stuff with the back. You're just reinforcing what you've always done, but that's going to wear out, right? The reason a spine gets hurt is because it's moving out of its anatomical position, period. Mm-hmm. You want to do exercise and move your back, well, you're just putting yourself back in the chance of it wearing out or you might hurt it again. You could do it as a rescue recovery. I'm not saying it doesn't work. You know, in, in therapy, people use movement, spine movement as recovery, you know, to get somebody out of the hole, but it really isn't a good long-term solution. That's just the honest truth. You're not teaching somebody a way to prevent it because they're going to have to come back in six months or a year with another injury. Right. That's just the truth of what happened. So, so I don't do that. I just teach the person a new skill. Let them figure, you know, they're going to calm down and get better. Right. Could I move the spine? Absolutely. It was designed to move as an emergency survival system. It's really not a 24 seven system. It really isn't. Gotcha. We use it as one and we wonder why we get hurt. And then we come up with all these stories about, well, you know, my parents have bad backs, blah, blah, blah. That's just, yeah. it's user error. It has nothing to do with any of that. Right. Right. So yeah. anyway, so the machine can, can solve any problem because you're just teaching. So if you have a sport where you have to do rotation, you still want to spend as much time as you can not train the back to be a non-moving system. And then you rotate when you have to. But gotcha. if you're moving it all the time, you just, your chance of getting hurt is greater. That's just the way it is. Yep. And they've got a better connective tissue and they might not get hurt, but they're still underpowered. So that's the other side of the equation. The teams that I work with, they get a huge jump in performance in the first day. I mean, dramatic, not like a little bit. Like it would take me, like guys, when I trained on the national team, it would take them 10 years to make the jumps. We get in eight weeks with these under 23 athletes, which is mind boggling where my friends talk to don't believe me. And I'm like, you know the same coach, and I know the coach. We've known him. Why you call him up? Because that's what's happening. Like, they can't believe guys I won world championships with. I'm just like, listen, this just changes the platform for the athlete. Now you can do all the other stuff you want to do, all the training, right. but now you have a real foundation to work off of as opposed to, you know, this is – you could train this really hard, and everybody does, but it's truly not the most – That powerful. sensory connection, I guess, right? I mean – yeah, because what, when you have somebody, a system in control in the body, you actually can develop feedback in the extremities. The strength and length has to come back. So when I retest an athlete I don't, in six weeks, so I know it's all going to come back. I just taught him one thing, stop moving your back and it's going to correct. In a specific way. It's not that simple. But I just, I just you know, really, it's, it's, all this is experiential. So you could look at somebody from the outside and look at them moving, but you don't really know what those micro moments are on their back. And, and that's a whole nother discussion. Like I show you micro moments in your, your back and you're just like, I do demos and you're like, holy, mo- that's unbelievable. I can't believe that just happened. Have you treated any like Olympic lifters that are trying to, you know, because, you know, with Olympic lifting, you have to have that full connection and understand how to get underweight, move the weight, all the complex movements. Will you use the Kaler Core system to teach them that connection on the extremities and then notice that when they train, maybe they're all of a sudden their lifts get a lot better, smoother, something like that, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I try, you know, so like I'm, US, I'm a USAW, you know, I'm an Olympic weightlifting coach certified. You know, Leo Totten was the guy, who, I took his classes. He runs a gym out East Coast, um, 
uh, I forget the gym, but he was on the Olympic team as a coach. But he was really – he didn't want me to come and evaluate touch his athletes. I just said I'll come and evaluate them, you know, just test them. Just, I just wanted to test them out of curiosity like you're asking. Right. He just shut it down, though. He was, I'm like, they're Olympic lifters. How am I going to hurt those guys? I'm just yeah. doing an evaluation. Well, you know, that's, that's what we're definitely starting to notice, too. I mean, you can look at – you take the NFL, for example. You've worked with NFL athletes – multi-million dollar prospects and they still get the injuries and when you listen to the podcast with the guys who actually work with the pros they're really exposing that and they're and they're saying that a lot of what's going on in those systems isn't as great as people think unfortunately yeah. a lot of it is trash there's a lot of people in there that just made their way into the system because they maybe knew somebody and not really yeah. qualified Totally. And, and, you know, they're talking about that. There's a lot of guys there that, too. Um, I know uh, Joe Ken, he was, uh, he's a guy for the Carolina Panthers strength coach. He does a lot of the powerlifting training, too. On a podcast, he had said that uh, you get guys who just get ego. You know, they got these guys that, hey, we got eight guys that could power clean this, but no one really cares when you're 2-12. and 12. So are you <laughs> translating that training into your sport? And what good is the gym doing if it's not translating to your sport? Or they're just getting hurt. So the last guy I worked with was just nine years starter in the NFL. He played for Carolina and uh, the Cardinals. And uh, when I bought a time I got them, he had ruptured his uh, quad tendon doing box, uh, bounding in a sand pit. I'm like, wow. he should been doing it all day long. And then he, he, he got a chondral lesion doing a box jump. So, like, when I saw him, I actually tested him. It was I, – I, I, like, just imagine that you're lying on your back, just flat. And I tell you to sit up with your arms out at your side. How hard is that to do? Just lay on your back. Just sit up to vertical with your trunk. How hard is that to do? Pretty easy, yeah, right? Should, Could, couldn't, do do right. couldn't do it. Couldn't sit up. Yeah. I'm like, wow. what? <laughs> I was like, what? Struggling to, struggling to get no, the, there. Uh, the, the, the jump yeah. ending of uh, RG3. Do you remember that viral photo yeah. that came with his knees collapsing in? Yeah. That was really an eye-opener for a lot of the public because they had seen this 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 prospect who was going to be the next great quarterback, and then you look in the combine, and then they talked about putting him through the FMS and all that stuff, but, you know, somehow it still failed because he tore his ACL twice. Yeah. And he still had James Andrews doing his surgery, but it just goes to show that you have these guys and – even though they get really good at their sports specific, like you're saying, they're missing these foundational components. Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. you're right. It's totally 100% true. So it kind of goes back to your question, Joe, when you were asking me about FMS. The reason I started this whole process was because of that. Yep. So I went through the course, and I'm like, and now what? What do you do with all that? Like, you just assess somebody, but how do you solve the problem? That doesn't, that doesn't solve any of the problem. That just identifies yeah. some. Yeah. Like, so that's really where – that process started nice. So, so that kind of becomes your your version of a corrective, right? So it, it's a holistic change in the way you move. Right. And then you can stack all the other skills on. So, like, I never get anybody on weights until they can do basic stuff because mm -hmm. they don't have the control to do it safely. Yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. Why yeah. add that external load when they can't handle their body weight load? Yeah, it's just the movement control. So as they get better, you can go back to all that stuff. Right. And, it goes, right. and it's faster, right? So that's what we saw at the college kids. They were – not only did we get rid of their injuries, like the Harvard heavyweight man was the first team I went back to with it. And in eight weeks, those guys – not only did all the injuries, you know, go away, to the point where the trainer assigned to rowing actually called Charlie, who's my buddy, 
up on the phone. And she's like, well, where's everybody? And he's like, well, I don't have anybody hurt. And she's, like, what? and she's like, what do you mean? And he's like, I don't have anybody injured. You know, so the athlete just started to make the connection. I, you know, they don't have to even know why. They, right. they just making them do. And then, and then you notice the technical changes start to happen. So then you can train your athletes at the next level. Yeah. Like, so for a coach, it's just like a gold mine because, you know, I'm just teaching them a new fundamental way to control their body. And then, you know, when you force the extremities to do 100% of the work, they get way stronger. Mm-hmm. They get mm-hmm. longer. They definitely get stronger. And if they're inflexible, they get longer automatically. You're forcing it to happen. So here it's like, that's why you have the deficits. Back well, when you know, you're you're big challenges too. And I actually talked to Gray Cook personally about this in the FCS course I took in the fall. And, you know, the problem is with these insurance companies running everything, they only still see the one body part. And they don't have the understanding as that the body works together. Yeah, they see true. me. And they don't understand why there's ankle and pelvic and core stuff. They just see me. Like, they're still stuck in the 80s and 90s. Right. And as we're developing as a profession, it's also our job as PTs and right. professionals to get it out there as an educational component, like with the stuff you're doing, to get them to understand how this body is connected and understand why. So even when we document, even if we weren't doing insurance, they were doing self-pay, to explain to the patient why this all this is connected and why everything has to move together because like you said uh you know looking at a fusion as a solution well you know sometimes the surgeons only think this is what i know how to do this is what i fix this person doesn't know how to move their their back it's having problems well let's just fuse it together so there's no more pain and people right. want that they want to just get out of the pain right. but then they have no core stability you know they, they're just walking around with this this frozen back and they still are having issues. Right. So they're going to, the levels above are going to wear out because they're still making the same mistake. Yeah. And yeah. I'll see that with yeah. people who come in, you'll have them lie on their back. They can't even breathe through their stomach. And then how many trainers say tighten your core? The average person has no idea what that means, especially when they spend their time sitting, driving, doing all these things right. that negate those primitive movements. And, you know, all those articles that I put out that I write for one of my sponsors, I always go back and explain because these are not only getting read by like elite athletes, but also just the average people that want to compete in like the OCR community and stuff like that. Understand, well, why am I doing this exercise? Why is this important? I want them to understand that there are certain things that are really important to us as being a bipedal mammal and why we have to have understand that dissociation with the core and the hips and why we're doing certain things. Because there's a thousand exercises, but how do we know what's important right. for us? So, and, and, you know? Yeah, so this, this is a unification system. That's it, it's, as simple as it makes it, it. It changes the way the athlete or the user, they, they, they learn a different, you have a choice of movement now. You're either moving your back with your extremities or you're not. And there is no, right. there is no in between. And most people don't, even when they plank and stuff, they're still moving their back. They think they're planking, yeah. but they're really not. Yeah. So what I like about the FMS systems is they continue to evolve. So when I went to that FCS course, that was a little bit more of, okay, you have someone that moves really well. They look really stable, but now what happens when you load them with extra force. And then you start to see, you know, the body starts to break under break that down. stress. So yeah. now we're starting to get some objective data from that. But like you that's said, better, yeah. yeah, what are the tools we use? What do you do with that? Because that's what Great Cook have emphasized. If the FMS is not the be-all. It's this whole battery of tested and compass. You have the FMS, then you have the SFMA, and then you have the FCS. And these are all just evaluation tools to look at the individual. Now, they give examples of corrective exercise. You know, they use the, the primitive system. They start with, you know, the unloaded, the supine, then they go to quadruped, then they go to tall kneeling, half kneeling. 
and they progress it like the way a baby kind of progresses. And can you learn to control your body in these different positions? You know, you can't even control your, your body on your back. Like you're saying, how can you do it when you're standing with yeah. your back? So, right. so I progress my patients that way. But yeah. what's cool is it's not be all end all. Like I think a lot of PTs, including myself at first, thought that whatever these exercises that they give is like what you got to do. It's just a concept. So right. like you said, you could use the guidelines. Your the guidelines. Yeah, you could use your tool if that's going to help reteach them how to control in this position. That's the stimulus, or you could use the the cook FMT band, or you could use right. this. You know, but yeah, right. just saying is yours. You develop as a system that really helps them gain all that that connection with that all, all that. Yeah, and, it, and you can apply all those things to that. So like you're you're going to take that fundamental change in their movement system and apply it to any movement you want to do from there. So it's really the fundamental foundation of change that opens doorways to whatever you want to do, um, you know, and it really, it just maximizes, you know, how the extremities actually really should be working. So, and again, I've done this with thousands of people, so I could do it in seconds. I can line this, the spine up. I know how to plug in, like I call it like the, well, you're going to get, you're going to get into Legos pretty soon. I've had Legos <laughs> on my floor for like 20 years, but like, the, the analogy exactly. I just, I describe to clients is like you take the flat Legos and you lay them out like those 20 pieces from the Adam's apple tailbone. Yeah. Legos that don't hurt when you step on them. Then, oh, you, yeah, yeah. then you plug in the bricks, the ones that do hurt when you step on them in the yeah. middle of the night, right? And, <laughs> and so what happens is like if you're missing a couple bricks, it doesn't complete the circuit. So let's say I was doing a bridge. If I'm, if I'm missing a couple of bricks, the circuit's not complete. I'm actually using my back to do part of the bridge, and I don't feel the activation in my legs the way I should. All I do is I get them lined up so all the bricks are plugged in. Also, they feel totally di- – it's a totally different exercise. Mm. A moving back bridge and a conical bridge are not the same exercise. One's training your back to do most of the work. The other's training your legs to do the work. And so once they feel that, I'm just building a new map for them. Yeah. Now they actually they have a, they start to have a choice of movement. You can either move your back or you don't. And so you just want them – you know, the more times you don't move your back, the better chance you have of not hurting yourself. That's just – the way the body works yep. and, it, and it optimizes their legs so those injuries you get in the legs the acls the ankle sprains so like i can't tell you how many ankle sprains i've seen i don't even touch their ankle 99 percent of the time because they're not really weak there i test them i'm just looking at what's going on up here and then we look at why what's weak and i say start with this and we'll and if your ankle's still bothering you in a week or two we'll treat your ankle and 95 percent of the time it's gone after a week because all their, you know, they have chronic ankle sprains. It's not going away. I'm like, listen. And what about someone who's got uh, an ankle mobility issue? I mean, we've, I've got, I just had, saw a girl, her ankles, I mean, five I sent, her, I sent her over to Mike. She yeah. was, she was walking like her feet were like. Bob, Bob, these are the worst ankles I've ever seen. You know, I, I just, I'm, I, it, really, I mean, I, there's 80 year olds that have better ankles. It's like, how are you doing this right now? So how would you how would you go about that? That is just you know a localized mobility issue. Yeah, so I mean it's a good question. I think really what I look at is is I go back to holistic movement patterns. So if I had them let's say on their back, I'm going to work on all three leg flexors together: hip flexor, hamstring, and ankle flexor as one unit. And so like on the machine when when you're looking at like when I do those squat downs, where you're squatting down, the tension is getting greater and greater and greater. Okay. You do that squat. Your, your dorsiflexes are firing like crazy in that yeah. exercise, like just like nuts, more than a squat or anything that you're doing. And so like you're just trying to – I just try to pull the pattern together as one piece. 
So a lot of times that stiffness is just a, is a is a is a manifestation of poor control up top somewhere else, and they're just that's a protective blocking mechanism. So you what know, if they're having pain in the ankle when you're doing it. So you get a yeah. lateral ankle sprain, and they're having the pain when they go right. you go to the dorsiflexion range they can tolerate. I don't even, so to be honest with you, at that point, I start them all on table stuff first, like teaching the column core system and get them going on a new fundamental change. And then most of the time that pain's gone by the time they're up and doing stuff. And they've actually restored some of their, you know, so, and you know this, flexibility and strength are the same thing. Yeah. If you're weak on one side, you're going to be tight somewhere else. They, they go hand in hand. So I'm just looking at how can we clarify all of it so the body can heal itself. Okay. So, so the moving back system is like you get a cut on your arm and you just pick the scab every five seconds. It's not really a healing process. Yeah. It's not a corrective system. It really isn't. The concourse system, you get a cut, you don't touch it. Your, your body will start to correct itself when you give it the right impetus. Okay. I just found what the right impetus is only because it, it works every time. It's like really 99%. So it's interesting you say that because, you know, they have started to implement, uh, you know, some of the cool corrections we do or, like some of the mobility drills, some of the newer stuff that the FMS systems added is regaining mobility with movement. So it's not just standing there doing a static cast stretch, something like that. It's like we do some of these like toe touch movements or these half kneel positions where we're learning to regain mobility in the hip, the knee, and the ankle while learning to control our bodies. We'd be surprised that people on the half foam roll in a split stance position. So one heels up and then the back foot, the toes are up. And then they got to like, so their dorsiflex on the back foot and then their plantar flex on the front as like a kickstand. They got to go down and touch their toes and their balance is all over the place. They have to learn how to control up here. Just right. trying to go down and touch their toes. So we're regaining mobility in the ankle, but we're learning to make that neuromuscular connection as well. So it sounds like it's kind of something that the Kaler core will do. Even if you start on their back, you're, you know, if you're having them do a press out or coming back in, they're learning that control and then regaining yeah. the same way. Yeah, so and, and so what it does, it, it holistically, it, 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 it corrects the, those things start to fire the right way down your ankle. They're firing out of, out of order because they don't really, really the, the muscles are not sequencing properly. There's some muscles are weak and it's just like a mess. You got all this, this neural confusion. You know, it's almost like the, you know, the brain GPS map is, is off. Yeah. It's like fuzzy. And so like, yeah. you know, you got this fuzzy map and you really can't tell exactly where you are. And so really most control for for humans is comes from the ba the the balance of the spine moving it doesn't come from the spine being the controller and so that's really where a lot of these errors show up so they, they the athlete doesn't even know they're doing it so like i take them through a series of like side leg lifts and stuff i teach them how to stop their back moves just understand what it really is because they don't know what it is mm. a side leg lift with the moving back system is not the same exercise so once you learn this map, so like, I, I mean, I haven't got to the point where I teach this course yet, but, but I don't, I know, I just know, cause I, I jump back in the PT world to see what would happen with regular people. Cause my right. business, all sports athletes. And I have, I have 2000 evaluations. I got a stack of, of like fully about like everything written down, everything. Wow. So like I understood that that was what was happening. So I was like, Hey, what, do, how do I teach this to somebody who has zero movement connection with their body? Yeah. Or, or a little bit, not not the same as an athlete that's maybe a little bit better, but they're still not that great, you know. And so, you know, that's really what, what I, I've been doing the last few years is trying to, to, to tie it all together, and it works the same. It's, it's crazy, but it works the same. So once you get somebody who's got, you know, they got to be motivated, right, like everybody. So that's not all your PT population, but part of it is. Yeah. For you, Joe, it's like, you know, you've got motivated athletes. You're just trying to, like, 
you know, I want to get them to the next level, but I want to do it where they're not going to get hurt because if yeah. they get hurt, then I don't have a customer. Exactly. Or whatever. I won't, have, I won't have a job very long after yeah. that either. You know, and it's not anybody's fault. Like nobody's trying to get somebody hurt. It's just, right. if you don't know what you don't know, you're not, you're not aware that there's another way to do stuff. You know, it's, it's just not as powerful. That's all. So really my business is about empowering coaches and athletes to just crush it because you should, you know, yeah. and then you could do whatever you want after that. That's the beauty of the system. Right. When they use a training system, is there like a, they have a training program, will they use the channel core and then maybe go do a workout or something after, or is it just Absolutely. like, okay. So they use that maybe as part of like a warm up or something. Yeah. yeah. So like the college teams will use like athletes generally spend about 15 minutes on it three, four times a week. They okay. do it as a warm, the coaches run through it. All the coaches I have that own my system, they train on it personally because once they start training on it, they're not going to train on anything else. So one of my, one of my the things with my market is I want the coach to train on it. I want them to see what's going to happen to their body because they're like mind boggled at what happens. Yep. So then when they go to teach their athletes, I know they're, they're committed to do what really needs to be done. Sure, because they're bought in at that point. They, they can feel it. They, they, they can feel it. Exactly. Because right, so you can't. You, you can't read a book about how to ride a bike and then ride a bike. Right. You have to experience right. it. So if, if a coach doesn't experience it, I don't know if they know what riding a bike feels like. Right. They might not have ever ridden a bike. So really, if, so just for my own experience, it's, it's really the best way to do it. So when you lift weights, the classic example of, of traditional weightlifting, I always ask, so I've, I've done over a thousand division one athletes. I've tested them. I've gone to work on the campus. You name the top school. I've been there. I've, work with the teams I've, I've evaluated all of them but the first question i asked them when i'm with the group is like i said well how many of you feel uneasy when you're doing a max squat they all raise their hand i'm like well why do you think i said when you're on a leg press how's it feel no problem i said the limiting factor in all your sports performance is not your quads and your glutes the last thing you need to be doing is making them stronger until you get your spine under control, real control. Mm -hmm. You're just, you're going to keep getting hurt. You're going to struggle. You're not going to make the progress you could. And you can have all those other injuries because you're still using this moving back system. You know, so, so really the, the, the system just offers the, the athlete an experience of change in how they feel internally. So they can actually start to make even more powerful movements when they do whatever you're doing. Right. Right. And so really that's, that, that's what the, that's what the process does. So like to answer your question about the ankles, like I used to get chronic rollover sprains when I started the trail running entirely like 12 years ago, 13 years ago, like literally every, you know, you know, how Rocky that is every yeah. time I go, I roll over, I'd ho offer for a minute, hobble back. I said, I would do traditional PT movements. Nothing changed. Once I started training, I've been training on my machine for nine years, not zero. Awesome. Never even, never even flinches ever. I can run as hard as I want. And that's just that's just being truthful. That's not being a salesman. I'm just like, yeah, it's yeah. crazy, you know. But you don't have to do a lot once you get those systems going. They're just it's like on maintenance drive. That you don't have to do a ton. Then you can do all the stuff you want. All the other things you really need to do as a coach become yeah. more powerful. Yeah. And your you know your your chance of the athlete getting hurt is almost gone. Really. I mean, there's always a chance, but it's very very small. Yeah. You know, yeah, you got to get on it. So that's why I was saying, you once you get on it, you, I don't have, like I can't explain to you what we'll it feels like. Be over next week, Mike and I'll be over next week. <laughs> Whatever, I'm I'm a, I'm always at I was at Tyler tonight. Got on my machine with Kayla Corey, did some warm up, and then went for a run. 
I'm surprised I haven't seen either one of you guys. I'm in there an awful lot. I'm going to have to go close. Yeah, you walk around the fields and take pictures, man. You got to, like, run in the trail. I'm scaring the crap out. I'm scaring the crap out of the deer. Like, come up on them. They're like, whoa, yeah. what the yeah. hell? Yeah. Yeah. We got uh, to get you in touch with uh, Shaq, man, John Shackleton. He does a performance training for Villanova men's basketball. We had him on here. He lives five minutes off from me. We train together, but – That'd be great to introduce this to those guys because combined with him and what he's doing and this in with those kids, man, maybe they'll start sweeping championships, you know? Right. It's, it's really, you know, like I, I, you know, so I did a study on, on uh, just real quick on the NFL when I was starting with the NFL guys, I was just looking, I'll go every week and take, you know, cause they have to report every injury. So I would take out all the concussions and, and traumatic injuries that were from like getting crushed by like a 300 pound guy. But yeah. I just looked at all the, Painting, groin poles, anything that was like, you know, and I was just looking at how how performance went versus, you know, and so like you looked at injury level and who was winning, and so the teams that had the least injuries were the guys at the top. Yeah, yeah, because it's, it's not like it's, it's a game rocket. of attrition, right? I mean, it's pretty much, you know, you start looking at games, you know, uh, games missed by teams, and and those those teams that have. Lots of players missing games. Chances are they're not even in the playoffs. Right, but also the other thing that injuries show you is that the athlete's not optimized for their true potential. Right. They're, they're leaving money on the table. So some athletes are a little bit better at controlling their spine. Some are worse. They're not getting it 100%. But So that's, just, that's a differentiator between when I see the injuries in the NFL, I know they're not doing what I'm teaching. Right. But they're closer to it. So that's why they have less injuries. For whatever they're doing in their strength training, they, they, they're probably hitting some of it. I don't really know because I didn't test them. I can only speculate. But, you know, so, like, I, I know that for a fact that, that, that those injuries are going to go away if you do the right thing. Because if, there's no reason you should ever get hurt running. Right. If you're really balanced, your extremities should be optimized. So you never get hamstring. But why would that, why would that happen? We got a, we got, I got a girl that I'm seeing right now, 13-year-old. Um, was having some hamstring issues and then just stepped on the ball the other day and kind of extended. And that was like the straw, you know, that broke the camel's back really at that point. So now she's in, you know, working on uh, some hamstring rehab there. Yeah. Which is, I think going to be the, and I was saying this to Mike, this will be the biggest soft tissue injury over the next three to four months. You're talking about like, all the sports stuff going back. You mean yeah, like, just yeah. because, I mean, I'm seeing it with soccer players already. Yeah. Everyone's like been grabbing at the back of their leg, you know, it's just, how but do we, how do we prevent some of that? Yeah. Yeah. So again, I think that's, that's, you know, I can't say for sure. Cause I'm not, I'm not taking those kids from, from that level, but I know, I know it's going to, you know, you'd have to get the kids, you'd have to, you'd have to sell them and motivate them to do this kind of training. You'd have to teach them it. That's the, that's really what, you know, I'm kind of at a grappling point of like, I really want to teach this to other people, but I'm also trying to drive my business at the same time. So it's, it's kind of like a catch 22. Yeah. I just know in, in what I do, cause I do coverage for Penn. I still do some PT coverage. I cover for a hundred different therapists and I know what they do. They all, all teaching moving back system. That's just yeah. the reality. I don't teach one second of it. Cause I'm like, you're already good at it. And that's why you got hurt. Yeah. Right. yeah. So I'm not going to just teach you more. I can't teach you more than that because of what I know. Right. I teach you the same exercise. I'm just going to teach you how to do it a different way. So what I do is I just go and teach you. of cat camels. Yeah, I don't do any of that. I'm like, you're already a master of moving your back. Why do you want to move it more? 
You know, I mean, look, you have to move with some sports. I'm not saying you don't, but you can't spend all your time moving your back and expect a great result. Well, here's a good example. What about um, gymnasts, you know, where, uh, and, yeah. and pushing them into the extreme lordosis for the backflips right. and stuff? Hypermobility. Uh, yeah, I mean, my, guess is, my guess is if you did some of this, it would just it would create more longevity. They're still smashing their backs to pieces. That's just the aesthetic. Yeah, it's value of doing gymnastics. Yeah. However, I I would I would speculate that if you if they did column four training, they would last a lot longer and not have the serious long term back problems they're gonna have for the rest of their lives, just to look great. You know, I mean, it looks beautiful and all that yeah. stuff. Yeah, right, right. You're moving your back in this emergency system like that. Is you're gonna wear it out? There's just no yeah. way around it. I mean, you know. So I mean, one of the biggest, I guess, you know issues we see is that you know uh you know these kids they want to play sports all year round i said that to the last girl i did a performance test on and said you play soccer all year round she said yeah i said well you're basically a professional athlete you're just not getting paid it's the same thing you want to go all year round but if you want to do that how are you expected to perform 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 but there's no maintenance there's never a step back to focus on any of the things that you that you were missing these foundations it's soccer 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 well just detraining like you yeah. gotta detrain if you want to go up you can't just yeah. go up you gotta go right. down up, you, need up. The, yeah, right. you need that deload time yeah that de- so, so, yeah and so they don't do that yeah it's yeah. trying to get them to understand that we don't need to spend two hours in the gym of doing stuff you know it's like you said 15 minutes on this on this a device can teach you some of these fundamentals that you could translate better into your sport. You know, again, understand that you can get a lot done in even 30 minutes. They just need to take the time away. Even if it's like, you know, just, just take one of those clubs off. Like, is it so much important to do a winner inside soccer club? Take the winner off and just spend two, three months of just focusing on this type of stuff. So you come back into that club club soccer that you're really gonna have the recruits coming and looking at you and saying wow we've gotten better because the parents are like she's got to get faster she's got to get faster and i'm like where do you think speed and power comes from i mean she doesn't know how to move how are we going to generate that force you know so they don't understand that that's the thing probably the hardest part like you know when you look at sports and all those systems you're talking about it's all external observation external look skill movement and and we're going the other way around. I'm like, you need to build this fundamental internal control system. And then all that external stuff's going to get way better. Like mm-hmm. all the mistakes you're making, all the speed errors you have, you know, at some point you're going to, you know, once you start training the system, you're going to reach a plateau like anybody, but you're going to be 15% better. You know, like you're, you're just raising your whole platform. And then, you know, then of course there's going to always be, you know, you're going to start to, you know, trim off because like at the world-class level, like you're gonna make like 0.1 percent gain, but that's a lot, you know. Right, but in right. high school, they can make 20 percent gain. But I think it's really more like what you're saying. They everybody wants the outside stuff. They want to look at the stopwatch, how fast they're going, how quick they can do these these drills. And I'm like, yeah, but you're really you're a you don't have all the power you really could, and you're going slower than you would if you did this. Yeah, I know that for sure. I know you're gonna yep. go faster. That's and again, that's what I see with my customers is that they get they just get these huge jumps in performance. You know, and then it's gonna get harder once they get to like elite level, but they're still never gonna get hurt. So they're not losing athletic development time. Right. That's the other thing that, you know, so like these college teams, they have 22 weeks of training time, that's it. You've got mm-hmm. a person in an athletic tra- training room for 10 weeks, they just lost like 40% yeah. of their training yeah. year. Yeah. They only got eight of those, you know, for the whole uh, their whole career. So you can't, 
you can't have somebody in losing their athletic skill level, even for what you're doing with this girl that's hurt. Like, she's 13. Like, you know, she should be out running around doing stuff, not getting rehab. Yeah. And that's yeah. not your that, – that's just like she just doesn't have fundamental control. So I think that's really what I try to offer. Like, you don't need to do a lot. You just need to, you know, get these people starting right. to figure out, do stuff a different way. Move know? off and move well. Yeah. Right. And I mean, that's what we start thinking too as a PT. I mean, I made the mistake of you giving these like uh, these whole encompassing shell of exercise. And it's like, what does this person really need to be doing? So I kind of get to the niche of and telling patients, you don't need to do a thousand exercises. You got to find where the deficit is and continue to hammer that and progress that and translate it. So sometimes, you know, yeah, I've done it before in my younger years. You come in and you're just giving patients like all this crazy stuff, and it's like they don't really need that, you know. You're and so then, my best example is the PT. I've done it before too. Let's get real. The dynamic stability—that's that's the big, the, the key term in the documentation. Dynamic stability. They're on like a wobble board, and they're doing rows, and they're like all over the place, and it's like this person's trying to survive. What are they learning from this, you know? And it's like Jesus. Back off all that external stimuli and, you know. I use three exercises almost for everybody. That's it. I never get in the PT clinic. I never get anybody on weights because they're nowhere near the skill level to lift weights. They're just not. Yeah. Like, yeah. You get this done, what I'm teaching you, and then their pain goes away. And then they're, you know, if they're going to high level sports, you're going to have to do that. But it's a waste of time. I don't do any of that stuff. Yeah. Zero. I use. And these um, people are like coming back and they're complaining like, God, my hamstrings are so sore. I don't know how it's possible if we're doing those simple movements. Because like, yeah, yeah. we're making them do all the work now. You just right. – whole life has been like – I have people come in and they want other goals. They want to go golf 18 holes, and I have them on their back, and we're trying to retrain doing a bridge properly, and their hamstrings cramp up. They lifted their ass up twice, and they're right. spasming. And like, they want to hydrate enough. I'm like, no, that's not it. <laughs> you know? So, water? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so I, I think part of it too is like, you know, because I've been doing this, I've done it with thousands of athletes. Like I have a very specific system and story I teach the athlete. Mm -hmm. So they totally, they get it by the end. And I think that's part of the, the part of what I need to do because it's, it's, it's almost so simple. It's hard to believe, but it's so powerful. It's just crazy powerful. So, and that's why when I treat, I don't do any of that other stuff because I know it's inconsistent. And it's a rescue. It, those are rescue systems that work for a little bit, but I know they're going to be back later in, in right. six right. months. It's just that recurring yeah. cycle. Yeah, they're going to get another see. injury. And then again, six three, weeks, right, right. Whatever. I mean, so like, I'm not saying the PD's not trying to help them because they are. Sure. It's just that system's been around for 50 years. It right. doesn't work. They're not learning that new motor pattern that right. they need. From a long-term – what I mean doesn't work, it doesn't work from a long-term – survive like thrive system for their spine it's yep. really just it rescues them they get out of pain they do some movements and they feel better and that's all you know that's all good i'm not saying it's not but i'm just thinking about like five and ten years down like that that's not the best way for you to be moving mm -hmm. it's in emergency mode all the time and you know when you're in emergency mode your chance of getting hurt is significantly higher it's not that the spine isn't durable as hell because it's a really really durable system but eventually it wears out Right. You move a couple million times, it's probably going to wear out. You, you know, so really, so this, so anyway, the, the, this whole clinical <clears throat> training process is just a fundamental change in, in, in creating a new map for, for the user. So they can go kick butt and then go do all the other stuff that you want to do. All of it. It's all good. And so I don't get into all the other stuff because I need them to do this first because they can't yeah. do that stuff 
that's too intense, right? Yeah. But day one baby's not doing day 365 stuff on day two. It yeah. doesn't work that way. Yeah. Right. right? So we want it to be that way. And that's, that's survival system. So that's why I tell people when you're in the moving back system or chain system back movement, you're day 365 baby. When I started on common port system, you're day one baby. Day mm -hmm. one baby ain't doing day 365 stuff on day two. You need to get through this. Yeah. And then we can get to that. And it's not going to take you long. It won't take that long. Like the neural pathways take about three weeks to jump back in. Literally, I've done college athletes that I saw chronic back pain when the coach sent them to me privately. I retest them three weeks later when I did the whole team, and they made a dramatic change in strength, and the back pain was already gone. Wow. Just by just shifting the way they were moving. So the athlete was like, you know, they didn't care because they just wanted to go do their sport, but they were right. just happy to be out of pain. I was trying to make them understand, like, this is really a long-term life movement system. It's not just about rescuing you from the current problem you have, which yeah. is going to, like the, like the surgeon's daughter, that surgery didn't teach her the, to change the movement error. It just corrected the one level, and she kept doing the same movement error. Yes, yeah. It never went away because you never corrected the problem. You just, like, put a Band-Aid on there. Yep. So, what so is the Fix the problem. <laughs> Hey guys, I'm, I'm, you know, and to be honest with you, I learned that working for the spine surgeons at HSS, those guys didn't need work. They they would say ninety percent of all surgeries done in the United States are done unnecessarily in the spine. Those guys would tell us that they're like ninety percent are a waste of time. Wow, that's that's the honest truth. That's what they would say. So that's why they had us there. Right. They had us there because they knew they didn't need work. They had we had people come from all over from Europe and like they were coming from everywhere because these guys are like top surgeons, but. They, they didn't really want to do surgery unless they had to. That's how they viewed it. Like they wanted success out of the surgery. They just didn't want a paycheck out of the surgery or whatever, you know? So anyway, that's part of this. That's part of the unfolding of how I got through this process. Just seeing thousands of people and yeah. figuring out there's, there's a different way to do it. And, you know, it's taken a long time, but like I, it's like I have it down where it's just like, I could do it in seconds now, right. literally in 15 minutes, I can start to teach somebody. But it's really just an eye opener for, you know, in the PT world, I can't even I can't even broach this subject because, um, and I don't bother right now because I'm more into the coaches and the athletes because they don't care about the story about you need research and like you know Mackenzie's been around for whatever and I'm like yeah that's great but like still people are getting hurt doing that stuff. It's Too many PTs that are stuck in the box. They don't want to think outside. Totally. So I don't even, I don't even, I don't even, I just go in and do my thing and like get the people better. Yeah. yeah. Like, when are you coming back? You know, and I'm like, well, I'm, I'm you know, because I like, float around. I'm like, I don't know when I'm going to be back, but I showed you 80% of what you need to do today. So you, <laughs> you just got to practice. It. Like, you, you don't really need, you know, they only need two or three sessions and they're done. There's not, they don't need 20 sessions. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? So like, and that's part of what I do. We get to this part in the uh, in the podcast here. I am up against the the, uh, the time here. I don't mean to be rude, but I we do like a little bit of a speed round here. So I, I fire away three questions at you, and um, you know just kind of give us uh, a summary of it. But you know the first one is um, what are some of the things that are keeping you awake at night right now? I mean, for me personally, it's not spreading my message as, as fast as I should be like reaching the biggest audience because I know this is such a valuable thing that I, that I've developed and, and fine tuned that. Yeah. So like, I'm always like, you know, like I'm working on marketing, I'm doing digital, you know, all these things just to like get more people involved. So that's why I'm here tonight. You know, I just yeah, want to share. Good because, start, man. We're going to share the hell out of it. Let people yeah. that's it. That's so that's, it. that's number one. Like, okay. 
Yeah, and and how to pay for my daughter's cows. It's- there you go. There you go. <laughs> All right, number number two, number two. What are some of your success habits? I mean, number one is consistency. Not so. So one of the things that I doing all that 30 plus hours a week training for, for 15 years and, and surviving it all. Um, I just realized that really you could do all that stuff. Like I do three, two or three hours a week, just consistent. I don't do a lot, but I get a ton of results, like massive results out of it. Um, and it's just that it's really more being just consistent. Don't do a ton. Don't get crazy and like stress yourself out. If you miss a workout or whatever, you know, you're, it's just like, you just got to go and hit it a couple times a week or whatever. And, and so really that's really consistency is, is always number one. Consistency is key. Yeah. I mean, with efficiency, I call it consistency with efficiency, not, there you go. not to do all these crazy workouts. I did all that stuff. Right. Like, right. Most of the time it's, it's, you're, you're spending so much extra energy. It's not necessary to get massive results. Mm-hmm. And that's another story. I, I could like my last four years of rowing. I trained so little compared to the rest of the team because I was able to do it on my own. Right. And I still crushed it. And it Absolutely. Deep. So I was figuring out these all these systems, and I've read extensive programming on this rest cycles and training cycles. I have a whole system that's just bulletproof. For I've done it with Ironman triathletes and marathon runs, just crushing it with li- very little work. Like, you know, so just just maximizing every second you're out there. How do you, yeah. how do you do that? So Consistency with efficiency is really what that would be number two. All right. All right. Last one um, kind of ties into one and two, but what is your biggest obsession right now? My biggest obsession is, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's really just growing the Kayla core business really is really, it's, it's sharing this common core knowledge. It does go back to one. I, I just obsessed with, Focus on it. Keep going until I break through. You know, at some point there's an accelerator coming. You know, just like TRX, it was when I'm on the same timeline. It took him ten years, and then Drew Brees showed up. Mm-hmm. And the second Drew Brees showed up, it changed his business forever. He wasn't yeah. selling a ton before that. So it's just getting to you know showing the power of the system, and and just being you know like I'm just like obsessed with getting this to because I know how powerful it is. You know, for people to do it, and so they go have fun. Yeah, kick, kick butt, you know, and start. Well, you got two more guys that are going to be jumping in on this. Yeah, so, definitely. Uh, we'll we'll do training session on it. Just get out there. I would and love it. Training. I would love that. So we can get George or Michael's time down to five four fifty, right? <laughs> yeah, man, that's my goal. I want to try to get out of the. How about four forty five? Huh? How about four forty five? Yeah, man, that would clip it by five, man. You know, by five <laughs> seconds. So you got to beat that guy who was what a sixty two year old just ran a four forty nine, right? Oh, did he? Broke the world record. Guy never <laughs> ran the mile before. He's like a 5K uh, cross-country runner. Is he still alive? Yeah, no, he just did it like two weeks ago. Yeah. Wow. He was doing, 49, huh? He was doing – like because of COVID, there was no races, so he stopped doing a long-distance run, and he just jumped on the track, and he didn't know. And then he just did He just did uh, one of the, the senior things, and he broke the world record. <laughs> he ran a wow. full 49 mile at 62. <laughs> So anyway, not to make, not to make you feel bad, but <laughs> that's all right. Hey, Michael, but, 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 you know you would be a good experiment, though, really. Yeah, I definitely want to try it. That'd be great because I know that I have compensations. I'm aware of things. You try to learn to fix it and stuff, and I'm always open to new techniques and things. And it's great. And that's what's cool about the whole obstacle course racing scene is it's very dynamic, and a lot of athletes have all different systems and plug and play and different things. So. 
you know, just the sky's the limit and try stuff to find that right algorithm for, for each person, you know? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. So hopefully that answers your questions though. Yeah, that was great stuff. Hey, listen, so we always do this too. Um, where can people find you on social media? What's the best places to find you? And so my website's just KaylerCore, K-A-E-H-L-E-R-Core.com. And that's the same Instagram account. It's Kaler, K-A-E-H-L-E-R underscore core. That's my Instagram page. Okay. And that, you know, that I post like exercise movements, all different movements you can do on there. And uh, um, yeah, so that those are the two best ways to get a hold of me. And, and, awesome. uh, and just to learn more about Common Core training in the machine. Michael, where can they find you? Icore underscore St. George on Instagram. All right. You can find me at at coach underscore Haas, H-O-S. And also on Facebook at Coach Haas. Also on YouTube, if you go into the search box, you can put in Coach Haas. Uh, we got tons of stuff out there. Bob, I want to thank you again. We will be in touch shortly. The three of us will be out and we'll get a workout in. Yeah, hey, thanks for having me on tonight too, guys. Thanks. For and thank you very much for your time. Appreciate yep. it. All right, guys. Mike, All I'll right, talk to you soon. Night, I'll talk to you soon. All right, yeah, take, take care. Get some sleep, man. Yeah. yeah man. <laughs> <laughs> Take care. All right, guys.